Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for your spirit, God, that we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead inside of us, Lord, that, that we can let go, God, because you're so trustworthy, Father, you're deserving of all of our trust, God, all of our affection, Lord, everything in us, Father, should be focused on you, Lord, and I just pray that this morning, God, would be an opportunity for us to experience the resurrected Christ, Lord, experience who Jesus is um, face-to-face intimately, Lord. I pray, God, that your spirit would lead us, Father, and that we would learn, God, from your word, but, but in spirit and in truth. God, so I pray that each of us individually, God, would receive this word from you. And in Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Sorry. I'm going the wrong way. No, you're nope, good. you're going the right way. I should have just let you do it. Maybe. There we go. All right. Good morning, ESS. Um, my name is Luke. For those of you who don't know me, but you all do know me, so you know that part. Um, Rick is in Alaska, so you can be praying for him. He's with his family and some siblings and stuff. Get some time away, so um, get to view some old um, grounds where he, he first got saved and stuff, so it'll be a good time for him and his family, so you have a, if you have to think of it, over the next couple of weeks, be praying for them, uh, and Johnny's at the church church this morning, so you guys have got me, and we will continue in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, and, and the title of the sermon today is, Prepare to Walk, and before we jump into the scripture, I want to just explain this title a little bit about big events in our lives, it takes preparation leading up to those events in order to be successful. So I was thinking about the Olympics. We've got the Olympics, and nobody can roll out of bed in the morning and just say, you know, today I think I want to be an Olympian. It's not going to work. There's training, there's preparation, there's things they have to do in order to accomplish that. Even if they're gifted, they may be gifted enough to run a nine-second hundred, but if they're not training, they're going to go out on a hundred and pull their hamstring. That no matter who you are, there takes preparation in order um, for a big event. I was thinking also of my um, sister. She was a great distance runner in college ran the fastest mile in the country as a freshman, um, for freshmen, and right now she's not running the way she used to run. She, she could run like a 420 or something like that mile almost. She was really fast. Um, she can't do that anymore. And now she's in good shape, but she can't just roll out of bed and say, I want to run a 420 mile today. There's preparation she did back then that allowed her to be able to do that. And the last thing when I was praying about this, um, the Wilsons, they're not, she, Jamie's doing children right now, but first service, I got to pick on her a little bit, that I was thinking about Nora, and that if Nora um, got, got ready for dinner and they slapped down a big T-bone steak in front of Nora, who's two years old, she's not going to know what to do with that, maybe poke it, but she's definitely not going to eat it, that when we're kids, there's a preparation um, that, that's in us of, of what we eat, how we eat it, um, that our parents have to mature us in, and we look at this scripture in Ephesians 4, um, chapter 1, I don't know if my clicker's out, Um, it says, I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That there's a calling that we have for believers, but before we talk about the calling, we're really going to hit today on the preparation that's required in us in order to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And when we talk about our calling, what is the calling? And we've been working through the book of Ephesians. We talked about chapter 1, the church has been called out. That before the foundation of the world, the plan for us was to be in Christ, to have an intimate relationship with him. Chapter 2, we talked about the church being a family. That, that by the blood of Christ, he brought us near to be a one new man. 
And then in chapter 3, we talk about the mystery. The church is a mystery and the will that God has for her. And now in chapter 4, we're going to talk about how the church is a team. And in chapter 3, we did see our calling. The mystery of the church. And in chapter 3, verse 10 um, through 12, I'm at that. Get you to go there, Vicki. I think I'm... Yeah, he's your clicker now. Oh, no, I'm back on. All right, Ephesians 3, 10 through 12 is going to explain to us our call. It says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. See, our calling as believers is not just to do our quiet time and try to do some nice things. As Jerry would say, our, our calling isn't to have the oval with a bunch of charity um, soup cans. Our, our, our calling as the church is to make the manifold wisdom of God known, not only to the city, not only to the, the world, but it says even to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He's talking about angels. That through the church, that literally the angels in heaven would know things about God they don't currently know. And, and hopefully this blows our mind because in Revelation 4, it talks about these angels who worship God day and night. They're in his presence all the time. In Isaiah 6, it's talking about the same angels, but it's saying that they have to cover their face with their wings because the glory of God is so immense, it's so great, they can't even stand to look at it. But yet they're in his glory day and night, never gets old. They never get used to it. The glory of God blows them away day by day. But those are the same angels that through the church, God is saying that he will make the manifold wisdom of God known through us. That through the church of God, that not only the world, but the angels would know things about Christ they wouldn't otherwise know. And we go back to Ephesians 4.1. Man, I don't think this guy's working. Maybe. I'll get it. Um, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So we talk about what our calling is to make the manifold wisdom of God known. But see, Paul is a guy who starts out with saying, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. He is a guy who walked in a manner worthy of his calling. Paul fulfilled his ministry. But what did that look like for Paul? See, one thing I want to distinguish today for us is the difference between walking out something by knowing something compared to walking out something by faith. That there's a difference by having knowledge we, we know and trying to accomplish things and trying to do things so we know that the right things to do compared to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and going out in boldness and faith. There are two different things. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to obey God in one way or the other, but if you've done both, you definitely know the difference. The difference between you trying to obey compared when the Spirit of God has moved you and by faith you have been obedient to Christ. And I really believe that for us as believers, this is wrapped up in, in the preparation. In the preparation for our calling, just like the Olympics, just like a marathon, or whatever it may be. Um, Vicki, can I get you to go um, down to Galatians? See, Paul, when he was saved on the Damascus Road, he had this encounter with Jesus Christ. It was 14 years between when he had that encounter with Christ until he got sent out as an apostle. That's a long time. There was 14 years that, that God was shaping and molding Paul in order for him to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which he had been called. And Galatians 1, 15-18 explains this. It says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. And this part that says three years in the wilderness, three years um, in, 
in Arabia, that, that Paul literally spent three years in the desert just with him and God. That Paul, when he got saved, he was preaching the gospel just left and right in Damascus, and they tried to kill him. Everybody, all these Jews were like trying to kill this guy because he was preaching the gospel. He went to Damascus to kill Christians, then he ended up making a bunch as he was preaching the gospel, and these guys wanted to get rid of him. And as a result, they sent him to Arabia. They, they wanted to get him out of Damascus and into the wilderness so these guys couldn't kill him. And in that three-year period, something happened to Paul. Um, Vicky, you want to go to the next slide? It says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That during that time in the wilderness, Paul received something from God that he couldn't learn from man. If you look back at that last verse, he says, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood. What he meant was, I didn't get my affirmation, my confidence from man. I got it straight from Jesus Christ. That during that time, there was this revelation that Paul received from God that was outside of his library, that was outside of his books, that was outside of his teachers, that was between him and God alone. And when, when Christ puts something in you, it, it has to come out. When we receive something from Jesus Christ compared to other people or other things, there's, there's a difference that, that, that gets um, put in our heart with that. And when we talk about revelation, we've talked about this many times at ESS, is revelation requires intimacy. That this time in the wilderness was where, where Paul got to know the person of Jesus Christ. Not know about him, not try really hard to be obedient, but during this time he got to know who the person of Jesus Christ was. And it produced this heart in Paul. In Philippians 3, 7 through 10. If we can get that one up there, Vicki. Yeah. Thing wasn't working. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. See, this time in the wilderness, this encounter with Christ, it produced in Paul this, this ability and just this desire to just be infatuated with learning the person of Jesus Christ. It says that he does all this. He counts everything in the world trash. For what reason? To know Christ. Not to do things for him. Not to be a part of something, but to know Jesus Christ. And it says that not only just the parts that Paul liked, he didn't just go find his favorite parts about Christ, but it says to know the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection, that Paul through this time learned the, the whole person of Christ. And the whole purpose of all this, the whole purpose of Paul's preparation, the wilderness, was to know who Jesus was to be in him. And up to this point in Ephesians, we're in chapter 4 now, 27 times the word or the phrase in him or through him or by him has already been used. 27 times in three chapters. He says this over and over and over because God's plan from the beginning of time was for us to be in him. And this in him is really, um, it's a sexual term. It's used as that, that term when they would consecrate marriages in the Old Testament. This in him in the Greek. He's talking about the, the most intimate part that you could have in our human minds is what he's comparing this to. And that's, that's what Paul's talking about, to know him. Not just to know about him, not just to be excited because... We read the Bible, but to know him to be inside of Christ and for Christ to be inside of him. But see, this took waiting. 
Paul had to go in the wilderness in order for this to happen. It just didn't happen because he showed up at the synagogue one Sunday and read a bunch of books. This happened because he spent that alone time with Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you guys, but I have never once been disappointed when I've waited on Jesus Christ. Never once. No matter how crazy things have been, no matter if it seems like everything's burning down and I don't know what to do. But if I will just wait on Jesus Christ, I've never once been disappointed and he's never once let me down. It doesn't mean it always happens exactly how I want it, but every time I've been thankful that I've waited. But what's the but what's the times that you've been disappointed? The only time I've been disappointed is when I waited on myself. When I've waited on my own strength, when I've tried to fix things myself, that's when I've ended up disappointed. That's when I've ended up discouraged. But it's never happened because I went to the wilderness to receive from Jesus Christ. I've never been discouraged by that. He's never let me down. And I know there's a lot of people in this room who would attest to the same thing. See, there's an aspect of our relationship with Jesus Christ that is heavily dependent upon a revelation from Him. And I don't mean just the voice that comes down from the sky, but through prayer and through the Word between you and God, there's something that has to happen in our heart. We can't just rely on other things. Now, the God uses the body, and He uses sermons, and He may use podcasts, but the foundation of our relationship is between us and Him and what Christ has done for us personally. And the truth is, is that Jesus Christ isn't the one putting it in us. Man, anybody can take it out. You know, I don't know if you've ever convinced somebody of something. It's super easy to unconvince them. If you get convinced by persuasive arguments and good tactics, it's really easy to get off track of what you're doing. But when you've been convinced by God of something, there's a whole different type of obedience. There's a whole different type of faith that gets produced in us because it wasn't because... Johnny said so. It's because Jesus Christ is the one who's talking us through his word and through his Holy Spirit and through his church. Yeah. See, we can't give people something that we don't have. If Christ hasn't put, his, put it in us, how are we going to help other people? We want to share the gospel with people, but is the gospel in us? Have we taken the time to meet Christ in the wilderness place for him to develop this hunger in us? See, there's this, there's this attitude in us who wants to do stuff, wants to do stuff so bad. We want to get ahead of the game. We want to plan ahead. And really, a great example of this is Israel and the book of Haggai. And they were doing everything except listening to God. They were building their houses. They were talking about the temple of God. They were even telling each other when's the right time to build the temple of God. But the whole time, God was telling them exactly what to do, but they couldn't hear him. See, God says this to them. He says, is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple to lie in ruins. What he's talking about is Israel made, made it clear to God that they didn't think it was time to build this temple. Even though he told them it was time to build this temple. And instead of building this temple, they were building their own paneled houses. And so God's response is, so you're telling me it's your time to build your houses and it's not your time to build my house. He says, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Got one more coming. Is that what you wanted? You have, you have so much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put to a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He's saying you guys are doing all this stuff, but look around, it's not working. He's saying you guys are eating, but you're not full. You guys are drinking, but you're, but you're still thirsty. You guys are earning all this money, but it's going right through your pockets and down to the ground because they're not listening to him. And all God's saying is, Israel, consider your ways. Just stop and listen. See, Israel couldn't do what God was saying. Israel couldn't build God's house because Israel wouldn't listen to God. Paul went to the wilderness to prepare for his calling to listen to God. 
That's why he was there, was to listen and to know the person of Jesus Christ. Haggai would not, or Israel and Haggai would not yield to the voice of God, but was just doing their own thing. So when we look at how it worked out for Israel, man, they couldn't build the house, that they, all these things were happening to them. How did it work out for Paul and his ministry? Paul, after this time of wilderness, after these 14 years, he helped other people build their ministries. He did a lot of different things. But when he got sent out for his ministry, for his calling, what happened? He, it, when, when they showed up to Ephesus, they said, these are the two men who have flipped the world upside down. That's the reputation Paul and Barnabas got as they walked in a manner worthy of their calling. Why? Because they did it in faith and boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I heard a quote one time that, that when Paul and Barnabas went to the city, one of two things happened. Either there was a revival, thousands of people got saved, or there was a riot and people tried to kill them because the power of the gospel couldn't just land in apathetic ears when they were doing it in the power of who God is. See, the preparation is worth it. Paul could have tried to go and do a bunch of stuff, but once he was convinced of Jesus Christ's own heart, he was able to fulfill his ministry. And the cool thing about Paul is he walked by faith, not by sight. He, the love of Christ compelled him. He did what he did because of the love of Christ in him. But then thirdly, he didn't let his circumstances dictate who he was or what, how, how his obedience would be fulfilled. In 2 Corinthians um, 6, 3 through 8, we can get that one up there, Vicky. He says, We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and sleeplessness and fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. Got one more slide. Yes, it just disappeared. Is that it? Yep. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. No one could tempt Paul with anything because he had all things in Christ. No one could take anything from Paul because he had all things in Christ. That no matter what was going on, he was able to walk in a manner worthy of his calling. Didn't matter if it was imprisonments. Didn't matter if he was homeless. Didn't matter if people honored him or dishonored him. That he was so convinced of who Jesus was and so convinced of what God had called him to do, there was nothing that could stop this guy. But this happened in the preparation. This happened in prayer. This happened when he developed that intimacy with who Christ is. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is where it says that, that Paul walked by faith and not by sight. I don't know one person who wouldn't rather walk by faith and in the, in the Holy Spirit than, than walk by reacting to everything that happens to you. But this guy was solid because of the faith that he had developed in Christ. It also talks about this love of God that compelled him in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, Paul wasn't able to do this because he knew stuff or because he was a really wise guy. He was able to do this because of the power that Christ had put in him. And going back to there's a difference between obeying kind of sheepishly and we kind of fumble over ourselves and we try to do what God says to do compared to we're convinced by God and we're filled by His Spirit and by faith we execute what He has called us to do. 
See, when we live a life by revelation, by receiving from God, it keeps our eyes on Him. It keeps our eyes off ourselves and keeps our eyes on Him. And when our eyes are on Him, I promise you'll never lose the miracle of your salvation. You'll never lose that miracle of the gospel. Paul's like 20 years into his ministry, and he's still saying, I'm the least of all the saints. He's still saying, I was the chief of sinners. He never forgot what God brought him from. But that was because he was focused on receiving personally from Jesus Christ. And honestly, there's nothing more important than knowing Christ. Nothing in your entire life is more important than receiving from him. If we want to be good fathers, we should know Christ. If we want to be good sons, we should know Christ. If we want to be a good coach or a teacher or a doctor or whatever we do, what should we do? We should know Christ. That will make us good at whatever we do, I promise you. And I'm not saying successful a lot of money. I mean fulfilling the call that God has, has called you to do. It, he, he will fill us with the power to do what he's called us to do if we would first sit, um, focus our eyes on him. So the question for us today as we talk about this calling with which we were called to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the world, to the angels, to the city of Fort Collins, is are we convinced, are we assured of what God's called us individually to do in our own heart? And do we operate in faith by the power of the Spirit, or are we operating in our own effort to try to be obedient? And we're way better off just slowing down the horse and considering our ways, just like God said to Israel, consider your ways, and he'll help us. He really will. And so for us, um, as we've talked in leadership, as we've talked in staff, for this season with Eosis, for, for many of us may have been a tough season, a wilderness-type season, but moving forward, there's not one move of God that didn't start with prayer and didn't start with repentance. And for us, individually, will we seek God with prayer and will we seek God in repentance to listen to Him, what He's asking us to do. And this, starting this week, on Tuesday and Thursday from 5 to 6.30, the church will be open for prayer um, corporately, and also um, 6 to 8 a.m. on Wednesdays, the church will be open for us to come pray. Now, it's not just to do another prayer ministry or to do another thing. This is the time to come before God and confess, to come before God and, and pray and intercede on behalf of our church, on behalf of our city, that we receive revelation from Christ individually, but also corporately. The corporate part is huge. We can't attain to the fullness of Christ without one another. We can't do it. And the second big part of this is repentance. That if we have been, say we start to pray, and we have been doing things in our own strength. We have been doing things out of just um, trying our best to be obedient compared to faith. If we've been doing those things, that requires repentance. God says to Israel, man, consider your ways. He didn't just say it was okay. It's sin. It's rebellion for us to try to do things in our own effort and not in God's. And the, and the first thing is repentance. We have to confess that. We have to say, God, when I rely on myself more than you, that is sin. And I promise you, God will restore us and he'll encourage us. It won't be a, a downcasting thing. There's nothing better than to realize we're kept in the power of God and not in our own power. That's a very good thing, but we'll never realize that if we don't live a life of repentance and we don't come to him consistently. And the last part of this scripture Going to Romans? Oh, no. Um, I'll just read this. It's on, in Ephesians 4 1, going back to our original scripture. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Each one of us has a calling, and corporately we've talked about making the manifold wisdom of God known. But see, this is a very personal scripture. 
He says, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. That I pray that this morning we would take this scripture very, very personally. That God is talking to us today that we would walk in a manner worthy of our calling. This isn't some abstract thing God's saying. He's saying it to each one of us individually today to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have been called. I want to um, switch over to Psalm 107. I didn't put this on the slides, but Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. If we will come to God hungry, if we will come to God and, and long for him, he'll satisfy us. He will every time. There's not one time where I sought out God and he's left me hanging. But the question is, will we do the three-year trip to Arabia? Now, I'm not saying we all got to get on a plane and go to Arabia, but whatever that looks like for us before God, what he tells you to do, man, we need to do that. Maybe we need to even stop doing some of the good things we think we're doing. Maybe God's going to ask us to take a step back from some things so we can hear his voice. So we're not so busy that we can actually know God for ourselves and personally and deeply before we try to go do all the stuff we're trying to do. That God may take, give us time to be in his word and to be in prayer between us and him before he sends us out for our commission. See, this beseeching is personal. I know sometimes we talk about changing the city. We talk about making the manifold wisdom of God known to the angels. It's like all this stuff that's like, oh, man, we're going to pray at 6 a.m. and we're going to go change the world. It can become a little bit overwhelming to an extent. And I want to bring us back. Now we can go to Romans. We're going to bring us back to the miracle of our salvation. We talked about that earlier. That never left Paul. I want to read Romans 5, 6 through 10. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. For if when we were enemies, we were, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That we have to go back to the beginning, before we were even a part of the, the calling, before we were a saint. The Bible makes it very clear that we were dead in our trespasses. We were rebelling against God. There was nothing in us that could please God. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our trespasses, and by nature we were children of wrath. That we weren't neutral. We were against God. But yet it says in, in Ephesians... But by God's grace, through faith, he has saved us not by works, lest any man shall boast. That there was this moment where we were fighting against God, where we were enemies of Christ, that he came and died for us. Now, I just want to ask you guys a question. If he was willing to do that when we were rebelling against him, when really we hated him, whether we said that or by our actions we displayed it, we were against God. If that's when he came for us, now that we're saved, why would he leave us hanging and accomplish this call? I just think so many times we get this sense that we have this excitement of how we were saved, but now that it's time to be obedient, it's like it's all up to us. The miracle of our salvation continues through the miracle of our obedience. Our obedience to God is a miracle. If he doesn't do it, we have no chance. And that our brokenness and the reliance that we had on God on that first moment where you were saved, that first moment where you realized, I can't do this on my own, and you fell to the ground or whatever you did, that's the same type of brokenness that's required for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And we can never lose the love that Christ poured out on the cross that he still pours out to us today. We're still sinful. We still need to yield to his strength and yield to his Holy Spirit. 
So I pray that, that, that today, that our, our goal moving forward isn't to find what's the next thing we can do or what's the next book we can read or the podcast we can listen to. But I, I pray that God would just birth in us a longing of like Romans where it says we have prayers that are too deep for words, that the groanings of the Holy Spirit come into our heart, that we would groan to know God in a way that we never have before. I was just talking to Vicky between services, and you know, the thing about prayer that's so powerful is it's not about going to God for answers. Otherwise, he just becomes the vending machine. Now, we can talk to God, and we can ask him about, um, you know, accomplishing things in our life, whatever it is, but you come to him just for him. See, the prayer is that, that, that personal place where we get to learn who God is. You know, if you had a relationship with somebody, and every time you saw them, all they did was ask you to do stuff, that's the only thing they ever asked you or talked to you about was just they need you to do something. That relationship wouldn't get very deep. You may be willing to help that person over and over and over and over, but you never get to know them because all they want you to do is do stuff for them. See, God doesn't want to just do stuff for us. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you personally in that place of prayer. And Vicki had a great suggestion that I'm going to do is why don't you pick whether it's a day or maybe a week that you would, the only thing you would pray is prayer of thanksgiving. Wouldn't ask for things, wouldn't try to do things, wouldn't worry in prayer, wouldn't let your prayer become worried, but just be thankful. Just your whole time in prayer, thanking God for who he is, thanking God for his attributes, thanking God for the power that he's displayed in our lives individually and in our lives corporately. I want to go back to this scripture, Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We've got to have that season of preparation. We've got to have that season of wilderness just like Paul did. And I just pray that individually and corporately we take this scripture personally. He says, I beseech you. That's each one of us here this morning. And as we um, take up our offering and have our worship team start making their way back, I want you guys to be thinking about this aspect of prayer and this aspect of advancing the kingdom in four columns, whether it's coming to church on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, or whatever it may be. But maybe God has been stirring up in your heart a word for you. I just pray that you would be obedient if God has been stirring in you something about prayer, um, about our calling, about our church corporate, or even individually a testimony that you'd like to share. That you'd be praying about that, and as we close up with worship, you'll have an opportunity um, to share that word with us. So we can bring up um, offering. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, all that you've done. Lord, we thank you for the way that you provided for us in the past, God, and the way that you continue to. God, I pray, Father, that you would bless this offering, Lord, that we'd be good stewards of what you've given us, God. You um, bless those who give out of a cheerful heart, God. Um, I just have a love for you and have obedience. And in Jesus' name, we pray and believe these things. Amen. And again, if, if, as worship's going, if you have a word, please come up and talk to me about that. We'll find
service as well, and, and I think Matt and, and um, Jane will continue to play, but in this aspect of prayer and stepping out in faith, it's really encouraging to find somebody. Got kind of a small crew this morning. Find somebody and pray for each other. Pray for this aspect of being filled with the Spirit. Pray about being able to step out in faith in the boldness that God has intended us um, for, to, to fulfill this call um, to make the manifold wisdom of God known. So Nat and Jamie will continue to pray or play, uh, but yeah, we just encourage you guys find somebody, uh, pray and intercede on behalf of one another this morning. 